we've seen great working relationships and examples through consultation or whatever the mechanism is at the federal level in some states, at the state level, but we haven't seen that chapter written at the local level. And I think this is a conversation and a question we get often at Keystone is how do you build better working relationship with tribes? What's the mechanism to do that? And are you required to do that? Welcome to this edition of Keynotes, Stories of Collective Impact. I'm your host, Marcus Chavez, Communications Director for the Keystone Policy Center. I hope you had a wonderful holiday season and enjoyed a Happy New Year celebration. On behalf of Keystone, and a bit on a personal note as well, I want to thank you for listening to the stories we've been sharing with you on this podcast these last two years about the power of collaboration. Your feedback has been much appreciated. We have several great stories lined up to tell you in the coming months and throughout this year. Please don't forget that your support is critical to help keep this podcast going. So please visit our website at keystone.org and click the donate button in the top right of the screen to support this podcast. Now on to today's story. Today's episode actually touches upon one of the first stories we told you about at the beginning of this podcast. That being the critical importance of local, state, and federal government consultation with the sovereign governments of the nation's American Indian tribes. I encourage you to listen to episode four of the Keynotes podcast, a link of which is in the show notes titled Tribal Sovereignty, Fostering the Government-to-Government Partnership. In that episode, we detailed how crucial it is for federal, state, and tribal governments to work together, respecting each other's rights and jurisdictions, to serve their members and constituents. Today, we are highlighting how Keystone is partnering with the City of Boulder to develop and implement a city and tribal consultation initiative between the city and indigenous peoples who have cultural, spiritual, and historical connection to the land now managed by the city. The initiative has historical roots going back decades, but the current iteration of the process began around 2018 and continues today. It serves as a model for local governments working collaboratively with the indigenous peoples who have ancestral ties to the land now managed by cities and municipalities. Before I tell you more about the work from the City of Boulder, I want to revisit one of the foundational principles of Indian law, articulated in 1831 by Chief Justice John Marshall. It is that tribes retain certain inherent powers of self-government as domestic dependent nations. That means tribes both possess certain inherent powers of self-government and are also entitled to certain federal benefits, services, and protections. Tribes have sovereign authority of their people and land, and respecting that sovereignty is key to building strong government-to-government relationships between tribes and states, or among tribes and the federal government. Consultation, which we're talking about today, is also critical. That refers to the collaborative involvement of tribes in the development of regulatory policies on matters that have tribal implications. Now, what differentiates the situation I'm going to tell you about today is that the city of Boulder, which is located in the northern part of Colorado, is not near one of Colorado's two federally recognized tribes, the Ute Mountain and Southern Ute Tribes, which are located in the southwest area of the state. Additionally, the city is a local municipality with no mandates to work with tribal communities, unlike the federal or state government, which do have such requirements. 
But those circumstances don't change the fact that indigenous peoples populated what is now Colorado continually for centuries before being forcibly removed. Ernest House Jr., the director of Keystone Center for Tribal and Indigenous Engagement, and whose voice you heard at the top of this episode, explains more. Colorado in 2007 was the first state in the nation to create an agreement with tribes that were once that were that were forcibly removed from what we now call the state of Colorado over the last 150 years. So we have two tribes today, the Ute Mountain Ute Tribe, which I'm a member of, and our sister tribe, the Southern Ute Indian Tribe in southwestern Colorado. But 46 of those tribes were forcibly removed, some by gunpoint, most by treaties. They removed them to states like Oklahoma, New Mexico, Montana, the Dakotas. But even though they were removed, this has always been their homeland. So for a local community, a local government like the city of Boulder, that's open to building relationships with tribes, they were saying, are any tribes even willing or wanting to partner with us? And that's a legitimate question. What they ended up finding out was 16 tribes wanted to sit at that table. They wanted to hear about what was happening with parks and open space. So while Colorado has two federally recognized tribes, members of nearly 50 tribes now scattered across the country also trace their roots to the land that is now Colorado. And among the lands taken from them include sites and areas bearing cultural and religious significance to them. Around 30 years ago, the city of Boulder observingly participated in discussions that occurred between tribes from Colorado and the federal government over construction the government was planning on doing on land with cultural significance to these tribes. Dan Burke, the director of Open Space and Mountain Parks for the city of Boulder, offers us a bit of a history lesson on these discussions. The city of Boulder first got introduced into the concept and, 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 and participating in what is known as tribal consultation back in the late 1990s. And at that time, the federal government was doing a, a proposed construction project here in the city of Boulder at one of their federal lab sites. And the land that that construction project was uh, to be constructed on was thought to have some significance to tribal nations that have that had a, obviously a long-term connection to the Boulder Valley. So the federal government actually uh, set up a consultation process in order to get input from tribal representatives. And the city of Boulder staff participated uh, on the sidelines, if you will, in that consultation. And uh, so that was our first introduction from a staff perspective of what tribal consultations are all about. So having listened in and participated in that federal government consultation with tribal governments, the city of Boulder decided to continue that relationship and actually consult with the tribes from a city's perspective. So the city then began to coordinate and invite uh, tribal representatives into the area to consult directly with the city. And so uh, that began, I believe, in 1999. And we had a series of formal government-to-government -government consultations between uh, the city of Boulder and I believe 13 American Indian uh, tribal nations. So uh, yeah, so we kind of springboard from a process that the federal government was uh, consulting the tribes on and then began our own direct consultation with, with uh, of 13 uh, American Indian tribal nations. So, to sum up, tribes consulted with the federal government in the 90s about development on or near land managed by Boulder that they considered sacred. They then continued direct consultation with the city into the early 2000s, which resulted in a series of formal agreements. I reiterate that there is no statutory mandate for the city and local governments to consult with tribes. So this engagement between the city and the tribes was unique in the nation. And in the years following the formal agreements of the early 2000s, 
there became a renewed need for formal consultation as the City Council passed resolutions in 2016 that would rename a local park then known as Settlers Park and also designated Indigenous Peoples Day. So, as Dan explains, the discussions were rekindled. Well, a few things were that kind of gave rise to us wanting to continue the consultation process uh, with tribes. One is that we have these series of memorandums of understanding, and they were starting to be, you know, 20 years old at this time, and they weren't, they haven't been revisited. And so uh, one of the impetuses was to revisit those agreements that we, that we hold between uh, 13 tribal nations and the city of Boulder. The other big impetus was in 2016, the city council ad- adopted the Indigenous People's Day Resolution. And there was a, there was a call for the city to work on, on several things that came out of that resolution. One was to rename a city park that was called Settlers Park and to get input from, from the tribes on that renaming process. And the other impetus was to uh, deepen uh, the city's commitment to accurate educational materials. And so it was really the Indigenous Peoples Day resolution that the city council adopted in 2016 that really gave a rise and an impetus to wanting to rekindle our, our formal negotiations with the tribal nations. It is important to understand what authentic consultation is and what it is not. Consultation is not a check-the-box initiative where you meet with tribal representatives to tell them what you plan to do. Authentic consultation is a commitment to building a relationship and understanding of different perspectives, and then building upon those relationships to mutually develop sound regulatory policy. And that takes time, commitment, and authenticity. Here's Ernest. If there's an effort to actually build a process and relationship, that's where I think consultation, or whatever you want to call it, Relationship building at the end of the day is what it is. And I think that going slow to go fast, building that relationship, ensuring that the people that I'm sitting across the table with, they know where I'm coming from. They can feel the, in my words, I, I, and I truly, I, I truly believe in this, but uh, being completely honest and open about what our intentions are, if it's government, local government, tribal government, whatever it is, whatever the project is, I feel like we can't fully get everything out unless we have it out on the table in front of us. And, and I think oftentimes building that trust is what either enables us or doesn't enable us to be able to move to that next level. We can sit around this table for years and years, but unless we really start building that trust, we're not going to go anywhere with this. And I think that's been part of the process is, in building the steps to building that trust have to also start with the acknowledgement oftentimes of a dark chapter, a dark history that's happened. But you're going to find, especially in my experience, tribes, we need to acknowledge that. But then tribes also want to work with local government or whoever it is to then move forward together. This understanding is why Dan and the city of Boulder reached out to Keystone in the first place. He wanted to draw upon Ernest's experience in bringing together partners in a collaborative and culturally respective manner to facilitate better relationships among indigenous and local community leaders. And so the idea of bringing Ernest House in was really all around that, is Ernest help us better understand, you know, the commitments uh, that we want to make in terms of building our relationship to American Indian uh, tribal nations. And so Ernest has been, has a long history of working with the city of Boulder. And really that began exponentially in 2018, as we began to prepare for these new rounds of city tribal consultation efforts. And these 
consultation meetings, whether they're one day or two day or three day events, it's a lot of listening and a lot of dialogue and uh, a lot of storytelling. And so all of that is geared towards deepening our relationships so we can be effect- more effective land managers. You know, we can be more effective in how we steward our cultural resources that are out on our lands. Um, if we're proposing projects on sites that have uh, deep significance to, to tribal nations, how can we uh, understand and get their input before we would embark on a project? Uh, so it's all about being good stewards. And we feel like we can be better stewards here at the city of Boulder uh, by deepening our relationships with tribal nations. In 2019, the city announced the renaming of Settlers Park to The People's Crossing, a name developed by representatives from the federally recognized American Indian tribes participating in the consultation with the city. The name honors the area as a crossroads for indigenous peoples who have traversed and lived in the mountains and plains of the Boulder area since time immemorial. This is only one of the many results of this consultation as these discussions have guided the city in numerous actions on conservation and land management. The city continues to meet with tribal representatives on an annual basis, and there are agreements to not let more than four years pass between formal consultations. But it is a year-round commitment to make these consultations effective and beneficial for all perspectives participating in them. A lot of times people, they didn't take this elective class in college or, you know, wherever they went. And so you're often bringing a lot of information that people had no idea, especially folks that didn't even grow up in the community of Boulder or just moved to the state of Colorado. You're bringing a lot of that education. Um, so it's important that, you know, it's one thing when the government, in this case, the local government says we want to build re- relationships with tribes. You really have to create that map, that roadmap and the framework on your ensuring that, that your staff is aware and knowledgeable about these issues. And at the same time, that they're building simultaneously the working relationship with tribe as these projects move forward. As I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, this initiative is serving as a model for other communities throughout the nation. Dan encourages other local leaders to engage in these collaborative discussions with tribal and indigenous communities near their cities and municipalities, but only with the understanding that it begins with building relationships. I think too often, you know, if you're in city or state government or you work for a nonprofit or it's all about sort of you, you know, you build your to do lists and it's you're checking off the box. Like, here's what I got to do next. And it's all about sort of getting through your day and getting through all your tasks. And what I quickly learned and understood and that this is the advice I would pass uh, pass on. It's not so much about the outcome, but it's the journey. We could draft a really great agenda and put timelines to it and say, after three days, here's where we're going to end up. But what we have found is that it's, it's when you're building relationships, it's about listening, hearing from elders, the stories, hearing tribal members talks amongst themselves. And it, it's suddenly the idea of a following a strict agenda and following a strict timeline and trying to get to a desired outcome, all that dissolves because it all is about learning and listening and, uh, and patience and uh, kind of being willing to crumple up your to-do list and your agendas and, and, and just go into it uh, with the idea that you're building a relationship and that you're there to listen and learn. The model that the city of Boulder has created is critical, not only for other cities and indigenous communities, but for the city itself. Government by its nature is changing with new elected officials, both at the city and tribal levels, 
and Ernest praises Boulder officials for creating a model of consultation that will endure and adapt with those changes. I will say though, through it all, I, I have to give so much credit to the staff and the city of Boulder from the city council members who invite me every year to talk about tribal consultation, what it is, how we do it, how it's been implemented over the years, um, particularly in their case, um, to the trainings, to their staff, all that codifies the relationship. And at the end of the day, I feel like as an indigenous person who wants to see more of my community represented in their government, in their staff, in their community, we're trying to find ways to codify these relationships. How do you just ensure we did all this great work, but in 20 years, if I look back and it just completely went away, we're all going to be upset around where was the mistake? Where was the ball dropped? And I think that, that the next step now is how to ensure in the trainings and, and also the revolving door that we see in government in general, local government, state government, federal government, over to tribal government. It's a revolving door as well. You know, we have tribal elections every year as well. So it's important to maintain that. The ultimate goal is to ensure future generations don't have to work through the issues that have gone ignored for so many previous generations. It starts with an acknowledgement of the past as a necessary step to move into the future. This is not a dwell on the past. I'm not looking for any excuses. I'm definitely not looking for anybody to feel bad for me. What I would like to do is have a better opportunity so that my kids and their kids and their kids' kids don't have to still be wasting the same time around the same table, that we've moved beyond that. Keynotes is a production of the Keystone Policy Center, a 501c3 nonprofit organization based out of Keystone, Colorado, which for more than 45 years has empowered leaders to reach common higher ground. This episode has been made possible by contributions from the Ballantine Family Fund and the Denver Foundation. If you would like to offer feedback about the podcast or suggest topics for future episodes, please email me at mchavez at keystone.org. That's M-C-H-A-V-E-Z at keystone.org. If you would like to learn more about the Keystone Policy Center, visit our website at keystone.org. Keystone.